Hey everybody, I want to take a second to tell you about Snagit 2022. I don't have time to go into all the details about Snagit 2022, but it has a variety of options for fast and easy to use video creation. It's got new ways to work across devices and platforms with the new cloud library. And your purchase or upgrade includes your first year of maintenance and the newly updated Snagit certification course. With 20 plus videos of Snagit how-tos, certification is a great way to help you speed up your workflows, unlock potential, and get your work done faster. So check out Snagit 2022 today at snagit.com. And now, back to the podcast. Your content strategy as a whole needs to account for all of your written content. And if you have video content, make sure it's not totally separate. Do that work up front. It will actually save you time and effort in the long run. And you'll have a much clearer picture of, of what you're trying to create and who you're creating it for and where they're going to be so that you're going to make the right things. But good content strategy doesn't always take off immediately. So it's a long-term play. Give it that time to take off and uh, see how successful you can become. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the video workflow episodes of the Visual Lounge. We are here with you today. We've got a great topic. We're going to be talking about content strategy and YouTube for companies, which is if you're working for a company and you got a YouTube strategy, you know it's a lot different than just being an individual creator. But before we get started, we, we want to make sure that you guys recognize that we have a new part of the show. Kara, why don't you take a second, just go ahead, introduce yourself to everybody out there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm Kara Swanson. I'm a marketing content specialist here at TechSmith, and I do a lot of work on our blog and our website and basically anything that's content related. So super excited to be chatting with you guys. And we are super excited to have you here. We See, Andy and I are really smart. We bring in the really smart people to talk <laughs> with you so that they can clarify anything that we've said that maybe doesn't sound right or is uh, maybe not as the smartest thing. So we're trying here. With that said, though, if you do find something that we said that was smart, go ahead and tag us on LinkedIn, tag us on social media, can, any one of us. We'd love to have you mention us in your comments or just, you know, put a little tag to TechSmith and we'll help amplify that. And we'd love to know what you guys are learning. So, okay. So our conversation today, though, let's jump in here because this is one I'm feeling a little bit like... It's been a long time since I've done anything with the YouTube channel and, and other than be on it. Uh, and content <laughs> strategy, the word strategy always gets me, right? Because I, I think it's like, oh gosh, that's this big hard thing. But let's start there. What, what do we mean when we say content strategy? What kind of things are we talking about? I'll let Kara go first. Content strategy in general? Yeah. Um, I think... Content strategy is taking your expertise and the new knowledge and assistance that you can bring to a field and help your customers with and breaking that down and turning it into as many mediums as possible so you can make sure it reaches your audience. So if you have a YouTube video already, blah, 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 blah. If you have a YouTube <laughs> video already, that's maybe taking that YouTube script and making a blog post about it. If you already have a great blog post, why not see if you can turn that into a video or make little bite-sized posts for social, something like that to make sure that your content and your expertise is getting in front of the right people. Yeah. And it's, it's, I would even go so far as to say like taking that content, which hopefully, you know, if, if you've been listening to video workflow already, you've learned how to like focus into your audience. So you know who your audience is, you're writing for your audience, you're, you know, aiming all of that content at that audience. So when you repurpose something, 
it's still aimed at that same audience, right? So this is still a strategy that's going to affect, um, you know, for us, sometimes we're trying to talk to people who are creating tutorials, whether they're brand new at making tutorials or they're instructional designers by profession, we want to kind of get into their workflow and, and be a part of that and help them out with, with their job. So a lot of, not everything, but a lot of what we do focuses on that kind of niche job. Um, so yeah, I think that strategy uh, is, is great to kind of take on all platforms, whether it's YouTube or blog or social media and aim it at that one uh, specific group. Yeah, so I really, I like this, right? So we're, we're thinking kind of this broad sweeps and kind of broad picture of, of, of taking content, figuring out where it's going to live and what formats it's going to live and thinking, sounds like we're thinking through maybe even like if you have a piece of content that like, oh, this would be great for this audience and this would be great for this audience. So it feels like there's a lot going on there. So how, how can we help our, the folks listening to the show do this? And what's the application to YouTube? Because obviously YouTube is one medium that we've got out there that some people aren't on. I'm guessing not everyone's playing sure. in YouTube. It could be an instructional designer and you never go to YouTube because it's internal training or something like that. But it seems like there's a, some applications here. And so where do we go to, to make people more successful, especially when it comes to video workflow? I think personally, I would start with your analytics, right? So like if you've got a, a blog post that's doing really well, for one example, you can go into your Google Analytics and just see what terms got you there, right? What What is ranking really well and what can we focus on in YouTube? So so then the, the resulting YouTube channel, hopefully, and maybe not the whole channel, maybe the videos, are specifically targeting those keywords. Um, and I would even go so far as to say one thing I wish I'd done earlier on in our channel and may still do in the future is like really target focus that audience um, as a channel, not just as each video. Each video has an audience for sure. You've got different tags and titles and descriptions that you're trying to very, very narrowly focus on. But if your whole channel has a narrower focus, you're really going to be amplified by YouTube because it's going to say, these guys are masters at talking about tutorial creation again. Um, and so they will really amplify that message. But if you're talking about tutorial creation one day, and then you're talking about, you know, how to plunge a toilet the next day, like you may be hitting too broad of an audience. So you really do want to make sure that you narrow that focus. Um, and, and like I said, start in the analytics, and that will get you to uh, how you got successful in the first place and kind of hopefully guide any future endeavors you make like with YouTube. I think yeah. one common misconception I was under when I started learning about video strategy, especially when it comes to keyword research and SEO, is that I kind of thought that all video keyword optimization SEO was going to be completely different than any text-based SEO. Mm -hmm. And that's not always the case because as we've discussed on this past before, YouTube is the second largest search engine and it is owned by Google. So YouTube is going to be, or sorry, Google is going to be pulling videos into the SERP. And if you're Googling like how to make a video with Camtasia, odds are you're going to get quite a few videos in those SERPs. So ranking for video is a great way to get people to your written content that might not otherwise get much attention, especially absolutely. in a competitive domain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I mean, it's it's so interesting how all of this has evolved, because I, I think back, I used to be in charge of, of TechSmith's YouTube channel for a couple of years, and I think about the things that we did, but there was never this crossover between, it was like videos, video, blogs are blogs and and rarely did they meet and so i can see you know i think what's important here for me is it's like like what good is it to be if it's just in one spot right like we can reach mm -hmm. so many more people and ultimately we that's what we want to do with a lot of videos right we want to reach a, 
not necessarily even a, we don't have to reach a million people to be successful. We want to reach the right people at the right time. And it feels like this is a really great way to optimize for that opportunity because maybe someone's not searching on YouTube, but they're searching Google and they, it's okay if they come across the blog, right? Does yeah. And if, maybe you've got, yeah, maybe you've got this great blog post about a topic and you want to make a video and you do, and you put it on YouTube. The two don't have to live separately. You know, we all the time will make a video about the blog post and embed it in the blog post. Some people will want to read the whole thing. Some people want to watch the video. Some people will find the video on YouTube and find the link that we've then put in the description and go over to the blog post. So lots of backlinking and cross-linking and all sorts of just kind of connection points so that people can kind of follow, uh, in any way they want to. Maybe they want to read, maybe they want to watch. So yeah, I think both are, are great solutions. But you're right, when I started in video two, we didn't really connect the dots between written content. And again, so much has evolved because of Google. They're now scraping your video for uh, audio and transcribing it into searchable text, which is just wild to think about. Um, not a little creepy, but but just wild. Um, and then, uh, you know, if you've got subtitles, we've talked about that, they can scrape those. So yeah, the search becomes a huge part of your video. So do that keyword research like we've talked about. So let me ask a question here because as you are both content creators and kind of at different sides of that, that equation, right? Carrie, you're writing blogs, Andy, you're making videos. Where, if I'm a, if I'm an outside creator, I'm listening to this, where do I start making that decision? Like, should I just like, oh, this is a great video, turn it into a blog? Or is there things that you're doing before the video is written to make those determinations? Cause, cause it feels like it would be really easy to be lazy here and just be like, yep. Okay. I made a video. I'm done. You know, it, it feels like there's some extra work and there may be some decisions that should be made along the way. I can talk about kind of how we decided to go about it because we already had, for us, it was just determined by the fact of what we had, right? So we had high ranking blog posts, but we didn't have corresponding videos. Personally, if I was to start from scratch and I didn't have either, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like I'm answering the question, but I may be way off base. Uh, if I didn't have either, um, I don't know. For me, it's easier to start with a video. And I would even, I hesitate to say this, but I would feel more comfortable my first time out, even possibly doing an unscripted, but maybe like outlined video, right? So I've got my points that I want to hit. I'll do my best talking to the camera. Maybe I find out that I do need a script because I'm not that good at just talking from an outline. Um, but either, either way, the video for me is easier because that's my, you know, my world. If I'm a writer, you know, Kara, I assume, and, and this is a huge assumption, but maybe it's easier for you to write a blog post first. Um, and then you've got your outline for your video, but whatever the person, you know, is creating, um, whatever they're more comfortable creating is where they should start. Um, yeah, I hope that made sense. <laughs> yeah, that was you? definitely, a, that was definitely a correct assumption from my end. And I'm especially okay. thinking about maybe for smaller organizations that don't have, um, as many resources that we, as we do here at TechSmith, like we have an amazing video studio and an amazing video creator like Andy. Um, but a lot of smaller companies are only able to hire maybe um, someone with a broader skill set, perhaps that can do like a little bit of bit blah, 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 again, a little <laughs> bit of this, a little bit of that, um, and maybe isn't as well versed in video or still is learning about video. So I personally would have written as solid of a blog post as I could, done my keyword research, made sure that it was going to be able to compete with some of these stronger domains, and then if it starts ranking fairly well, or if I think that maybe a video would help it start ranking better, like we discussed earlier, then I could maybe outsource to a third party or see if we're able to find someone that's able to create a half decent video in our organization. Yeah. It, and it even, feels, oh, oh, go ahead, Andy. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you, you mentioned our video studio and that's totally true. I don't want people to feel like, 
you know, like you said, like they don't have to be major video creators. They can be sitting at their desk and talking to their webcam and recording their screen. And that can be their video. It doesn't have to be some high production their first time out. If they've got great content, the content will hopefully win out, you know, obviously have a, maybe, a, maybe a good microphone, but other than that, like the, the content will win out. So yeah, so you're maybe, absolutely maybe, right. Maybe it could be three people just having a conversation about a particular topic at their desks. <laughs> I don't know if that would ever work. That sounds outrageous. Who would want to watch that? <laughs> I don't know. Ho hopefully somebody. Hopefully, hopefully somebody. somebody. So, so one of the things that sounds like is, I mean, there's some there's some deliberateness here, right? Regardless of where you start, it sounds like you you probably should be thinking about the, this distribution of the content and thinking about like you know we've had these conversations before about knowing your audience, right? Like, but this is where it comes to play because it's not only who is who is the audience. It feels like. So like, who are they? What are they looking for? Which we can do, we can get some of that for keywords, uh, re uh, search, research. Um, it's Guys, we need some more caffeine today. That's all this, yeah, yeah. this episode is powered by caffeine mine. or we need more. Um, <laughs> but also it, it does seem like, like there needs to be thought about where are they gonna be? Yes, obviously if we can get yeah. them in Google, that's cool. But where are they gonna even start like expecting to see it because i know it's interesting if when i'm looking for stuff i usually go in with an idea of like whether i really want to watch a video or or if i'm just looking for like a quick text answer right like um i've been using this example a lot but you know i actually i purchased a bike and i've been riding a lot and trying to figure out how to do some stuff and there's times i want to see a video like hands down i want to see because i need to see it because I, I don't know how to do anything but there's times I just want to read, right? Like, like, and so I guess, um, is that coming into play here in some of the decisions that we're making? And uh, I've got tons of other questions, but I'm, I'm just, I'm soaking up this guys. I'm just learning a lot. So. <laughs> I think, I so. think I mean, absolutely. I'm... Like you go ahead, Andy. No, nope. Carrie, you're up. Are you sure? You answer first. Right. Yeah, of course. Um, I think like speaking of knowing your audience, it's I think there's definitely something to be said for knowing if the majority of your audience or even like a significant portion would prefer more of a visual like a video how to versus a step by step walkthrough. And even if you are doing a text based walkthrough, it's always important to make sure that you have images to break up these long chunks of content because no one wants to use the brain power to read like a two page document that has absolutely no images or visuals and it's not going to stick. And I think, I think it can be tempting, especially when you have a really great piece of content that you're super excited to get out there. You want to post it everywhere, but that doesn't mean that your audience is everywhere. I previously worked for another organization who um, their job recruiters wanted to do something where they were linking, um, like they would post a job on LinkedIn and say, oh, go check this out on our Instagram. And on Instagram, they were saying, okay, go check this out on LinkedIn. However, those two don't, often overlap I, I i just explained okay so people really aren't looking for job postings on instagram and people aren't looking for cute dog and people pictures on linkedin most of the time so knowing your audience and knowing what platform is best to access them is super important here and especially in conserving your time and resources yeah that's that's a really good point yeah i think the other thing that can be true is it, it depends a little bit on the content, right? What are we talking about in uh, in this video or blog post? So I'm trying to think like we have some blog posts that are like the ultimate guide to creating YouTube video. Um, and that's a long blog post. That's not a short little thing where you can just go in and say, oh, I just wanted to know how to use a script template. Like I can find it in there, but it's buried. Whereas, you know, maybe in a video we could just do how to write a script. 
in a blog, we could do how to write a script. So I, I'm getting a little off track because you can do both, I guess. Mm -hmm. A blog can be short, a blog can be long, a video can be short, a video can be long. So it's user intent. Again, we talked about that, I think, last week where it was like, you know, what are they here for? Are they here for the little snippet? Or are they here for the whole in-depth guide? Um, but man, I think Kara just hit it on the head when she said, like, include pictures in a blog post. Because even if it's, you know, that I'm here for text, the visuals still help. The visuals are still going to aid. And we do the same thing with videos. You know, I put text on the screen sometimes. Or, um, you know, instead of showing a visual, it's just a talking head of me looking at the camera. Well, I want you to focus on one thing versus another. So, um, yeah. It's, I like I like that, Kara. Well, or it also something feels like, like an animated GIF. Just if, if yeah. you're showing a very quick process, super easy. Just 10 second video clip, turn it into a looping GIF. There you go. You broke it right and up. And you say, you say super easy. I want to make sure, like, I found that people don't realize how easy GIFs are to make. Like, they really, any video editor software, if you already have any, um, Snagit, of course, comes with it. Like, so many things. In fact, like, Giphy, I think, has their own, you know, if you've got a video clip, you want to loop, like, they'll kind of even help you walk through it. So there's all sorts of fun and easy ways to make GIFs. That's a really good suggestion, because I don't think enough people take advantage of GIFs. Well, and I love if we're thinking about, like, a video workflow here, uh, you know, one of the things you can do is take your, go create your video, like, plan all this out, and you're going to say, well, if we're going to have documentation, it, depending on the video, you might have be able to have stills that come right from your video, right? So there you're filling mm -hmm. in your text document. You can make an animated GIF out of the, like a snippet of the video. So it feels like from this, and we, we've learned this from, uh, we have a visual lounge episode with um, Amy Woods from Content 10X. She does a great job explaining this, but like just that repurposing, right, is, is huge because all of a sudden from one video, not only can you get your script turned into a blog post, probably need some work, but you know, to be, make it readable as a blog post, you've got right. your video, you've got your audio. So if you want to do a podcast, hint, hint what we're, we've done, <laughs> uh, you know, you've got, uh, graphics that could be used for step by steps. You've got animated gifts if you want those. I mean, our instructional designers on their videos, uh, their tutorial videos, if you go to the tutorial videos, you'll see the video and then you'll see these step by steps with each one has like these little animated gifts and it's just sections essentially yeah. i mean they probably do a little bit of work to it but sections of the, the video showing when it says click here it illustrates that so this is this is a, i mean what a fantastic way to think about this in terms of like from one piece of content you can get lots of piece of con pieces of content and i'm guessing that you know but you've got to be thoughtful about that right you can't just right. go in and be like i'm gonna make a video now it's gonna work for all these things because mm, it's never yeah. quite that easy our, our coworker guy wrote a blog post a while ago, actually, this is a few years ago now, uh, about J and L cuts. And we talked a little bit about J and L cuts um, on this podcast a while ago. But it's such a weird concept when you don't know what the heck a J and L cut is that he made these great graphics that show clearly. And it's like he, he embedded the letter J over a cut so you can kind of see the shape is the, the letter. And I think my hands are mirrored here, so I don't know which one's which. But like it shows the J and it shows the L and it's just a position of a cut. But the graphics he used were so explicit and obvious that um, when we started making a, a video, I was like, I'm very much going to use maybe not the exact graphic he made, but I'm pulling from that as inspiration. So even if it's not exactly the same, like reuse your your properties, um, you know, in, in different avenues. And I think that's just a, a great example of like, yeah, that blog post had a really good image and I'm making a video, but I'm going to kind of cheat a little bit and bring that image into my video because it's fantastic. So... As we get close to, to, to wrapping things up here, let's make sure we focus a little bit more on, on YouTube. I think, I don't know, Andy, if you've got kind of everything said that you wanted to say, because it, it feels like in this content strategy in particular, YouTube has some challenges, right? Because yeah. 
If you're a company, you own you. If you're you don't own YouTube, unless you're Google, right? They they get you're to own YouTube. Space. But for the rest of us, we don't own it. So what are the things, and particularly when you're creating your content strategy and thinking about YouTube, what are the things that video creators need to be aware of? I think there's two things that come to mind for me immediately. One is um, YouTube. If you're, if you're learning YouTube or you're new to YouTube, or even if you've been there a while, you're going to hear all this talk about monetization. And if you have enough subscribers, I think it's 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 watch hours, uh, and you have a Google AdSense account, you can be part of the YouTube Partner Program and monetize your videos. Well, that's fine, but you don't get to control who's advertising on your videos. So if you're in a specific niche workflow and your company, you know, does this one job and two other companies are advertising on YouTube, they can put their ads right in front of your videos. So your customers or your viewers are now watching their ads. I can't control who ad who advertises on my work on YouTube. So I've left it off for the TechSmith channel. Plus, personally, it's a better user experience to go onto a video and actually get the content and not have to watch a commercial. Do we lose a little bit of money? Maybe. But our goal is not to make money on YouTube. It's to help our users or potential users or even people who don't use our stuff but ask the question uh, to be able to help them find their answer. The other thing is actually something I'm going to steal from Kara that she mentioned earlier <laughs> uh, off camera, and it was uh, talking about evergreen content, which I think is so important with YouTube because so many creators are creating content every day, multiple times a day, and they're putting so much video out there, but it's really like either vlog style where it's, you know, a daily video log, or maybe it's they recorded a game and they're talking about current things that are happening now, our goal on YouTube is different. Our goal is to help answer questions or to provide helpful content. So for us, we wanna think about long lasting content that's just gonna get out there and stay out there and won't always need a refresh. Sure, we're gonna go back and kind of update content as it needs it, but we talk about evergreen in the regard of like, this video can sit on YouTube and will help people for the next few years as they find it. So um, those are a couple of things that I wanna think about when, when I'm uh, working on my YouTube channel. So, Kara, a quick question. Any any tips for making better evergreen content for us? Yeah, definitely. So, especially with videos, if it's um, any sort of tutorial walkthrough and you can maybe simplify things down, use some simplified user interface graphics or SUI. Um, that way, even with like minor updates that happen within a software program, your content will still be relevant and completely understandable for the people that are watching your video. So, I mean, every year we put out... Um, you know, here's how to do this and snag it 2020. Odds are by snag it 2025, a lot of those videos will still be relevant and helpful to our customers because we're not making ginormous overhauls with the software itself. We're still able to, like, we all know what the big red circle is. That's record. We don't have to put record in there as text, especially if we're going to be localizing the video for multiple languages. Having just that plain red button makes it so much easier to send it off to for another company to help us with those languages and we can just still use the exact same video footage. Yeah. Yeah. So one one piece of advice I, I've been given uh, in talking with uh, various YouTube creators, and I'd, I'd love to get you guys' opinion before we wrap up, kind of final, before we do our final thoughts at least, is, you know, one thing that they talked about, and I'm trying to remember who exactly, there's a few people that come to mind that might have said it, so I don't want to get the quote wrong, <laughs> but basically the idea is like, if you have a video that's being successful, and it, maybe it's like you, you could do the strategy of it's, uh, you know, the 2021 uh, best recording button. We'll use the recording button as an example here, uh, you know, and then 2022 comes along. That video is obviously out of date. But if it's performing well, you can make another video that says 2022 
best recording video. And it could be basically the same. You could kind of repurpose that same content, maybe just it's updated. I don't know. And I don't know how I feel about that as a consumer of the content, if that's if that's good, if that's, but it does seem like that's a strategy that's getting employed. And I, I just wonder, what do we think? Is that a is that something worth exploring, trying? I have two perspectives on that. One is we've done the opposite where we've tried a video that is successful. Nothing's changed in the interface. So we said 2020 and it's now 2021 and we just change it in the title. It feels a little weird to do that because you don't want to feel like you're deceiving users intentionally. It gets you higher ranking in the search though. Um, and again, the content is still accurate. And being an evergreen video, we're not saying the date in the video. So what happens is there's always going to be one person who inevitably is going to land in your comments and go, wait a second, this was made last year. Say, yep, but all of the information is still relevant. And that's usually our response. The other thing is I, when I was searching for a uh, um, 360 degree camera, a 360 camera, uh, I watched one guy's video on reviewing like three different cameras. But at the very beginning of his description, it said, this video was made six months ago. Here's my update for six months later. And he put a link right in the description. And I didn't even get five minutes into the video. It was like a 20-minute video. I clicked that link and went to the mo the more current one because there might be a better camera now. So, yeah, I think both are possible strategies. If you've got content to update, go into your old one. Leave your old one on there because it may still be ranking well. Go into your old one and put a link in for the new one. Uh, and then also maybe you didn't change anything. Change the title. See if that brings you any better results or continues you on a, a successful path. Yeah. I think you hit Great. the nail on the head, Andy, and especially talking about um, putting dates and such in your videos. I think the same can apply for pretty much all content mediums you're writing across. When I'm making a new blog post, if it's about a feature in like a specific year in Snagit or Camtasia, I will not put the version or the year in the header image because that means like next year, if I'm making slight modifications to that blog post, that means I'm going to have to update all of my images, any mentions yep. of the year in the blog post. So just something else to keep in mind that'll save you a lot of time. Good point. Yeah, so I shouldn't say to, today's date is... I'll have to fix that in post. It didn't work well. <laughs> I tried. I tried really hard. It was pretty close. It was good. Pretty, pretty close. It was it delayed. Oh, anyway, you guys get the point. So we're not going to save the date today. Well, this has been really interesting. It's got me thinking about a couple things that I need to do with my content and ways that I can continue to leverage. So, um, I feel like you know, oftentimes we come into this, we all play different roles in terms of what we know, and so. Uh, I'm, I'm really grateful to be able to have this conversation because it's timely and relevant for the work that I do. Um, yeah. But with that said, I think it's about time to, to wrap things up. So let's do our final takes. Kara, how would you feel about starting us off today? Sure thing. Um, I think overall, just keeping in mind, making sure that your content across all your mediums, it's working together as it can, remembering that your content strategy as a whole needs to account for all of your written content. And if you have video content, make sure it's not totally separate. And that's something that I had to learn. Um, they work well together and oftentimes they can help each other rank. So make sure that they're working with each other and not against each other and redistribute your, con blah, blah, blah. <laughs> redistribute your content um, wherever you can and wherever it's appropriate and make sure that you're targeting your audience correctly. You know, if it's Twitter within that character limit, make sure you're hitting the main points. Maybe for LinkedIn, it could be a little bit longer and more in depth. Yeah, fantastic. Andy, final takes. Yeah, I think as long as you're intentional about any content you create, you'll be able to repurpose it. You'll be able to uh, leave it out there for a little bit longer and it'll be more successful for you in the long run. And one thing we didn't mention 
is that this is basically the stock market. You're not looking to get into a content strategy and have immediate results. You may be, but it, organic content doesn't always work like that. It takes a while to get scraped and to get found by Google. Uh, and so put it out there and see how long it takes. It may be six months before it starts getting some traction. It may be eight months, it may be two years, um, but good content strategy doesn't always take off immediately. So it's a long-term play. Give it that time to take off and uh, see how successful you can become. Yeah, fantastic. I, so I think my final take for today is that it's going to feel like this is a lot of extra work to prepare for. It's a lot of extra work to plan for to do. However, the benefits that you will reap by doing the work up front to make sure that when you go into your creation are going to be, uh, I think, exponential because it's going to allow you when you get to the time to write the Twitter post or the LinkedIn post or, you know, do the, the YouTube shorts video or whatever else you're going to be making from this one piece of content, it's going to allow you to really hone in and focus on the things that are of most importance during that time. And if you do that work up front, it will actually save you time and effort in the long run. And you'll have a much clearer picture of, of what you're trying to create and who you're creating it for and where they're gonna be so that you're gonna make the right things. Because in all of this, it's like when you add on any piece of content, you are multiplying the amount of work. And I, I wanna be very clear, I know this adds work to write a blog post, to do these social media posts, to do all these things. And unless you're fortunate enough to have someone else do that work for you, it is very, it's gonna feel like a lot. But if I think with some planning, some thought about how you're gonna do that consistently over time with each video, because you don't have to do that planning every single time, it's gonna pay dividends in the end, speaking of the stock markets for the long term. <laughs> with that said, we wanna thank Kara, Andy, thank you so much for teaching us today and being with us. And thank you all for tuning into the Visual Lounge and the Video Workflow episodes. If you like what you're, you're hearing, go ahead and like and subscribe. Don't forget to tag us and share what you're learning. And, you know, Around here, we like to see progress. So if you've got anything you want to share with us, things that you're experiencing that are making you better through the show, we'd love to hear it. You can always email us at thevisuallounge at techsmith.com. And we'll see you guys. I don't know. It's that caffeine's got to kick in. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. <laughs>